Microsoft buys Bethesda. And when does it become crunch? Hello and welcome to Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as always, Mr. Saw Bridges, bringing you guys lucky episode 181. 181. If you are new to the show and have never listened to us, stick around until the end where you can find out where you can find more of us. Or if you're listening to this or watching it, you can find out where you can find us in the opposite manner. But we like to start this show off the right way, which is a very simple and time-honored tradition of, Saw, what have you been up to and what have you been playing? So, first of all, this week has been very weird. Obviously, there has been a problem with my health, henceforth the delay. Um, This weekend, I didn't play any video games at all. Um, And prior to that, I played only Metal Gear Solid 5 all week and Metal Gear Solid 2, thanks to PS Now. And... That's really been it. Like, I, I guess Among Us, technically. That's on, that's on sure. your phone. I, I didn't play any on my PC this week, but I played on my phone every now and then. So speaking of Metal Gear Solid Five, mm-hmm. I don't know if you kept up. We had uh, one of our patrons, Mr. Oh, don't, don't kill me right now. I know the name, and now I'm going to feel bad for not knowing it. Uh-oh. M- McAllister. Eric McAllister. There we are. Yeah. I've got it. He was talking about that game and how he's tried multiple times getting into it, if I'm remembering his words correctly, and that every time it just doesn't work. It depends on where you try to get in on it at. Um, honestly, Metal Gear Solid 1, 2, or 3, with the exception of 3, kind of, the controls are incredibly outdated. I well, played, he's talking about specifically Metal Gear Solid 5. That could be hard if you've never played the actual series. I don't know, does he... Does he have experience with the series or? I think so. The way that the conversation, because I kind of extended it out with him, it was on Twitter. And he was talking about that he liked the idea of moving Metal Gear Solid to a um, pseudo open world. To an open world style, but that he often found himself, I think the the world was not super well designed or I don't want to be mistaken completely, but it was something along the lines of. He likes certain aspects of it, but other aspects just don't end up working. Yeah, and um, it's one of those things. It's kind of like, after Metal Gear Solid 4, a very cutscene-heavy game, I really actually enjoyed 5 because the the cutscenes were still there. They were light um, in comparison specifically to 4. But, um, yeah, like they kind of did some things with like uh, vocal tapes or tape recordings, which was Storytelling was a huge difference in that Uncommon, game. Uncommon, yeah. Like, they did a lot of the story through cutscenes, but then they, they pieced together certain parts of it through uh, recordings that you can listen to. Well, um, you know what it kind of reminds me of? Hmm. It kind of reminds me of Metal Gear Solid 1, which I know people view a little differently because of the time period and the, and the console in which it came out on. But, you know, if you really think about Metal Gear Solid 1, most, most of, of the cold. storytelling is through the codec. Well, and then there's Twin Snakes, and Twin Snakes was when they brought in the ridiculous uh, pseudo-style cutscenes they have yes. now. Which, don't get me wrong, even though I've been a long-time Metal Gear fan and 5 did not, 5 nor Ground Zeroes just particularly resonated with me. I did beat Ground Zeroes, but I just didn't love it. Um, but regardless... That's one of the things, and I know it's a, it's most grandiose nature in, in Metal Gear Solid Four, but I actually think that that the, the way that they eventually moved to doing their cutscenes, 
I feel like it became a hallmark of the series that while I'm not going to say they were wrong to change it, when they changed it, they lost me. I did go find the the thread just to make sure. And he says, I have to have picked up this game half a dozen times. The intro is exhausting. It is. The story so far is convoluted. The fact that it everybody is. mumbles makes it hard to understand. That's an And odd one. the constant credits throughout the game are obnoxious. Yeah, that's just Hideo Kojima. That's just Kojima. That's a very common uh, Kojima thing. Um, yeah. I, well, I say very common, but it's a very, very much aware style of his that you can tell came from him and himself because he wanted everything to be every all the chapters are episodes so it feels like every time you play a new chapter it's a new episode of like a show or something yeah so then you get the intro of who's who and like stuff like that do um, you i know this is a weird thing but yeah i do remember seeing that and now that i'm thinking about it it's not exact because it wasn't like you know that's no matter how you play it you're gonna find that but do you remember back when um visceral did battlefield hardline and I didn't own it, but I remember one of the big things, and it was a kind of cool idea, is that if you hadn't played the game, like, or if you turned the game off, not from rest mode, if you turned the game completely off and you came back, whenever you'd go to play, it'd give you like a brief recap that was like a, a story, like a, a, a TV drama recap, you know, where it's like I don't last know I time on Battlefield Hardline. Hardline, and it goes through like some of the events. It was just, it's one of those ideas where I get that you get people who. And sometimes it works, right? Like a, a recent game this year that did it too was Maneater, where it's almost like the game is presenting itself as though you're basically watching a TV show unfold. Maneater. Uh, yeah, the uh, shark game. Oh, yeah. The whole perspective of that is that the basic story is that you're being followed by a documentary crew as a shark and the story between you and this hunter that killed your parent. Interesting. Yeah. See, it, I can see like that being a fun way to do it. Yeah. Uh, Kojima's was kind of just all of his stuff. Like, he likes TV and, and TV film. and movies. Yeah. yeah, like that's that's why you see like Mads Mikkelsen and Norman Reedus in Death Stranding because that's you know he watched them and stuff, and then that's one of those things where it's I saw that. Yeah, it's one of those things where um, that that's where his inspiration comes from. I will say like give Metal Gear Solid Five like three to four hours because the first mission's kind of dull outside of the hospital stuff. Um, start one in particular, like once you start developing different gadgets and getting different teammates, um, that could come with you, it becomes much more fun. So, just to give you the rest of the, the context around it, he did go and say, I'm super charmed with the open world idea, but I don't like the idea of missing things. And traversing the world is clunky as hell, so I don't like, if I don't like to navigate the map, I'm going to miss a ton of stuff. Which is a fair point. I'm not sure. If basic traversal, so, which that's the thing about all open world games, right? When you have a, a large world, it has to be fun to traverse. Otherwise... I don't, I don't agree with the traversal part, especially later on in the game where you get like a Metal Gear Walker you can use. Mm-hmm. Um, but like even the horseback riding is not super janky or anything. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't know. It's just sharing his things. It was just yeah. interesting that you're talking about that. Yeah, I'd be curious, uh, Eric, if uh, give it to, give it like five hours to get used to um, and see what, see what you think then. That's my recommendation at least because it does feel different than any real Metal Gear game. And there's a reasoning for that, a story reason. Um, also though, if the story is kind of convoluted and you have played all the Metal Gear games, just watch a, like watch a synopsis for ground zeros. Um, I don't know what your Metal Gear history is though. So it's kind of hard to, especially with Metal Gear. I, I actually was talking to Seth the other day, big Seth. And I was like, Metal Gear is like the Western, but not so Western version of Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's. 
clearly Kingdom Hearts took it and ran a lot, a lot yeah. further. For well, honestly, people act like it did, but if you really go into all the sub games that they have, they're closer than you'd imagine. But Kingdom Hearts is still Kingdom Hearts more is, convoluted, yeah, way more bonkers. Um, but that's that's pretty pretty much it that I played all week. Uh, I've just been on a weird Metal Gear kick. Um, what have you been playing? Uh, I meant to ask. So, what were you playing? Um, the ones on PC? The, no, the I just PC played release? PS Now. I found out that those are the remastered versions of like the po- original ports, and those are not good. There's game breaking bugs. There's problems with it being. That's another thing. That there's problems with it running at 60 frames and stuff on PC. So, <laughs> See, so it goes uh, to tell you. Sometimes people think when the game's on PC, it means it's going to run like magic. But no, a lot just, of the times, what, this is just a lazy. Like people should know. Uh, at this point with Konami, if it's something that seems easy for them to do and they do it, it's not <laughs> worth it because it's lazy. And that's exactly what these ports were, were lazy ports. Um, but now we're to the point where if that Metal Gear remake that keeps continuously getting teased over and over and over again does ever actually come around. Well, here's here's the problem is that now Konami's going to say, oh, well, these games didn't sell well. Nobody wants to play Metal Gear no more. Let's make a Metal Gear Rising Revengeance pachinko machine and be done. Hey, Metal Gear Revengeance was actually pretty good. It was very good. (laughs) I mean, I've kind of been debating getting it on PS3 again. Actually, I think I have it digitally, weirdly enough. I do. I don't know, dude. I've been on this weird kick to play old games right now. I like the character designs of that game, too. Like, Monsoon was cool. Yeah. Um, but Honestly, I think Raiden's character, too, made sense for the type of game that Platinum was making at that point in time, where it's kind of over the top. Here's an unpopular opinion. Uh, maybe not in the Metal Gear Solid community, but maybe to anybody else who just looks at these two images. But go look at an image of Raiden from like Metal Gear Solid uh, Rising and Metal Gear Solid Four. Mm-hmm. Way better looking, or Gray Fox from Metal Gear Solid Two art is way better looking than that to me. And like Meta- in actual Metal Gear Solid cutscenes and stuff, I like that aesthetic more of just very much clean. Oh yeah, yeah. But um, what have you been playing this week? Because I know you've been playing the Order. Yeah. As if anybody's surprised. I'm, I've replayed The Order. There is a reason. But if I'm also being honest with myself, I've been wanting to replay The Order all year. But I was kind of like, I have all these other games I've not played. So it feels a little wrong to go and play a game I've played three or four times beforehand. So I trumped up a reason to play it. <laughs> Which you will be learning about uh, soon. So we will be doing something in regards to that. It'd be me and my buddy Chris. So, so there are 168 hours in the week. How did you spend the other 166? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Anyway, um, yeah, I didn't play a ton of games this week. I, I was, I you know, I took a break from uh, Kingdoms of Amalur specifically to play the Order. So I'm going to go back to Kingdoms of, Kingdoms of Amalur a little bit. I did play Among Us uh, quite a bit. I had a good run last night while Hannah was cutting my hair. Where me and the imposter, it was a good run, but it was also bad because I was playing a little too safe, but I was doing good. Nobody, no one ever ex- uh, expected you, either of us. You were imposter. Okay. I was imposter. And so was another guy. No, no one ever voted for either of me or me or that guy, but we were being, we were a little too slow. So they were able to complete the task before we could get them all. That's one of my favorite things as an imposter is like. Once two or three people die, I just follow around like a group of one or two and act like I'm part doing tasks. Yeah. And I never, I just let everybody vote each other out. Yeah. And it, it's hilarious. Yeah. And every I, now and, and then somebody's like, uh, like saw you were doing this task and the bar didn't go up and, and they, they actually notice. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I was. I'm like, you just didn't pay attention to what went up apparently. Yeah. I was, well, I was a, looking at my map and I was just standing there for a second. And then I'm like, I'm going to go kill that guy next. The fun thing about the imposter situation is that people will look at some of the most interesting things, and I get it. It's actually smart. One guy yesterday was like, 
I don't know. Black is kind of sus because he stood, he stopped, he was walking, he stopped, not at a task or anywhere, and then suddenly a sabotage occurred. So he would have stopped to have yeah. to hit the sabotage. People, people pay attention. That but what the funny stuff. thing is, is I ran with it because I was an imposter, and I'm like, oh yeah, that is pretty suspicious. We, vote, we voted off. him off. He wasn't even the imposter. So what I typically do, and it's just one of those funny things about the game, is that I will run around and I'll go to my fake task, and I'll normally try to go to one that's normally kind of a pain in the butt, like the card swipe, mm-hmm. and just sit there. And if I, I'll, I'll go to a task before I do a sabotage. That way it looks like I'm doing a task. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even if I'm sitting there for a while, too, because I'm just trying to wait and see if somebody will come in, if anybody's asking, I'll, I'll just be like, that damn card game keeps getting me. Because no joke, I normally have to swipe it at least twice. Card game? Uh, Not card game, but you know. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the card swipe, the asteroids, and then the reactor where you have to play Simon Says. Yeah. If you call Simon Says, like somebody called, um, I was playing, and somebody called, I was like, I don't know, three or four panels into that Simon Says out of the six. And uh, somebody called uh, a meeting, and they were like, where's everybody at? I miss y'all. And, they, and everybody voted him off. <laughs> I can't stand people who do that. Somebody, yeah. somebody voted, uh, or the game started... Somebody stood around the table, and then somebody called in a meeting, and then they were like, hey, guys, here's my YouTube channel. He got voted off, too. (laughs) My favorite thing to see is people being like, it's not me. It's this guy. And if it's not him, then vote me next. Yeah. But because it's more funny to see people who say that, but they keep saying that over and over again in in the hopes that no one will ever figure out that it's them being the imposter. But, yeah, it's the game is really fun, and... Honestly, when you were describing it last weekend, I was like, this sounds like a game that I'm almost surprised hasn't already existed. Yeah. I guess it has, but it's existed in like tabletop manner. I don't know of any game that is a video game. What was the game? Was it Coup that you have to convince somebody who you're not? Coup is the one where, yeah, it's, it's a card game and you have it to where you, like you have, you have face down cards and you know what they are. That's right. And yeah. you get to tell your actions based off of what your card should be. But if somebody decides to call your bluff, they can turn it over and it's like a risk reward thing because if they're right, you lose and you go out of it. But if they're wrong, you get all their money or whatever it was. Yeah. It's a, it's those types of situations are fun because it's gameplay. Like, can you imagine how simple that game probably was to make? And that's not like a slight, not a slight at all toward the developer, but it's a very simple game to make because the art style ultimately doesn't matter. And, you know, I almost think that maybe going with something that's hyper-realistic looking would just be a waste of effort here when this is cute and honestly more memorable. I like, have you seen some of the fan art on Reddit? Yeah. Like, of like, There's like, some really detailed. Yeah, there is. Like somebody standing there doing a task and somebody behind them. It looks like the thing. Yeah. It, it looks great. Yeah, so that, that aspect's fun. I want to open it up if, if you'd be okay, Saul. So I'm sure you would. I would love to do a night some point in time this week. Dude, Friday night. Up. I was trying. I tried to do this last Friday night, and that's... Friday night, so for those that don't know, first of all, we're audio only if you're watching on YouTube, but you found that out one second into the video, just because of the delay. It, it's, it feels, and I don't think it is, but it feels like a pinched nerve in my jaw that every three to four minutes, I get this wince of pain, and I kind of got to stop talking, and, win, and I wince. Like, it hurts that bad. Well, set, Friday night is started. Saturday, it went throughout the day, and I was fine, but then it kind of flared towards the end of the day. That's why I was saying I was hanging out with uh, Big Seth. I'm like, I'm just going to have to go take a nap because like it hurts. And Sunday, I did not sleep. Probably a combination of my nap on Saturday with the pain. Mm-hmm. I did not sleep well Saturday night. So when we normally record on Sundays, I felt like garbage, and I was generally just not in a good mood. Saul was quick. 
Normally, I don't hear from Saul, or Saul doesn't hear from me until around like 10 or 11. Well, I didn't want you to get halfway through news or something, be like, well, I wasted half my Sunday yeah. doing news for a yeah. podcast we're not going to do. Yeah. Um, so, Which I appreciated. Yeah. But it was interesting looking well, at my well, phone and being like, 7.50, Saul's like, yeah, not going to be well, today, homie. I, I woke up, and I was like, uh, no, I'm like, unless I get some energy and this goes away, I'm like, I ain't going to be today. And it still is not away. Like, it still is doing it. I have a doctor's appointment on Thursday. I'm going to leave work and go take care of. Um, even though I don't think that there's, whatever this is, there's nothing, I don't think that's an immediate fix for this because Tylenol does not help. I've tried Tylenol <clears throat> and stuff like that. Yeah. But I was thinking that Friday, you could have a game of up to 10 people. Yeah. We need eight people, and it's, it's super easy. All you do is you could join our Discord, and that's where we could host it. And then we can do voice chat there for anybody who wants to have an extra layer no, of fun. No, well, that's that's kind of the thing is that since since Discord is Discord, I would almost say we'd need voice chat. Like, please have it. it but if well, you're I mean, not, clearly it's a it, yeah. If you're on your phone doing Discord, you yeah, have the ability. you have the ability to do it. But if you don't, then chat's just fine because the way that it'll work is that. When you're in the game, you don't talk at all. You mute yourself if you use a headset. Because for, for those that don't know, if you have a wired headset, plug it in your phone, and you can use it as a Discord chat headset, and it works perfectly fine. Uh, but mute your headset, and then when it goes into everybody voting somebody out or talking, you unmute, you all chit-chat and talk in there. And then the game starts back up and you mute or you just stop talking. And that way you can't say like, oh, hey, Brett's the imposter because he just killed me because then it ruins all the fun. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but something like for Friday night or something like maybe even Saturday night, I'd be down. Um, yeah, I'd love to do that. So if any of you guys are interested, the, the reason I kind of bring that up is we often look for ways that we can play and interact with the community. But a lot of the time it's in games that would require people to buy something. This is a free game on your phone, too. And on your phone, it's completely free to play. With ads. Ads between games, but they're not during the game, so... And it's like a dollar nine to remove them, so yeah. like if you really just don't like ads, you can remove them. Um, I, yep. keep, I keep looking at the camera, and the camera's not there. <laughs> Me um, too. I've done it a couple times. But, um... We're still in our work clothes, and so... Yeah, yeah that's... There's a reason we're not doing video. Another reason for audio only, but, um... But, yeah, it, it's free, and honestly, it's one of those games I can... It's kind of like, um... What is another game that, that similar to this? There's another game that I've played recently where it's multiplayer, and it's like I could play five or six rounds, and I'm like, okay, I'm kind of done for now. So, like, no matter what, like, anybody, like, it'd be fun for anybody to play. Not saying I could play all night long, but, like, I'd probably hop in and, and wear my exhaustion out over the course of an hour because the <laughs> games last a fair amount of time. If, you ha if you're good. There's some times where you see the, the imposter just running and killing quick. Yeah. First time that somebody gets body found, you're like, there's five people dead already. There was somebody who had like a four-second or five-second countdown timer for the kills, and they were just – they'd run around and kill somebody, run like 10 feet, kill somebody else. I'm like, they're just – I got killed, and I watched the guy. Like, I was a ghost, and I was just flying around watching him because I'm like, we're not winning this. Yeah. The first time they called, there was, there was four dead bodies already, not including me. And then I was like, yeah, this, this guy has it. Last thing we'll talk about with Among Us, but did you see people petitioning to have it? And I think this is a good idea, uh, petitioning to have it to where imposters can see the ghost. Yes, I would love that because I'd be like... Because like, the thing is, I do the same thing. If I think we have a chance of winning, I complete my task, and then I go and follow around the killers just to see what's going on. Yeah. And I like the idea of being the imposter, knowing you kill someone and just kind of watching their ghost float around and being like... <laughs> yeah, just kind of haunting them. <clears throat> Yeah, it's a great idea. I really do like the game. And there's something to be said about little quick, fun burst things. And, you know, sometimes you get these games that are so easy to get into and you understand how they become cultural phenomena so quickly. But it also says a lot about gaming right now and that 
free to play is a really valid way to get people to come into something and make a product that may not have otherwise necessarily been as popular become very popular because when you have a free to play version, the barrier of entry is so low that everybody comes in and you don't have to have that moment of like, I don't think I want to play it. It probably sucks. And I don't want to spend $5 on something that sucks. Right. And that's why things like Fortnite got so much bigger than PUBG because PUBG, despite the fact that it got big, you still had to buy it. There was a barrier of entry. I'm not saying that free to play is the end all be all, but I think when done right in a game like this, and it's clearly to the benefit of the developer, where the ads are in between games, you never get interrupted with an ad in game, and they see a lot of revenue from it. Yeah, that's true. And um, <clears throat> and this is also a good example of microtransactions. Everything in the game is visual, and you yeah. can buy hats and skins as essentially the same way as I talk about with Warframe, where it's kind of like the game's free to play. Everything you're doing is kind of this extra thing, and you've even done it with a game like destiny where mm-hmm. you're kind of like you know i've just been really having a good time with this game i'm just going to give the developers another three dollars for me to have some dumb hat yeah because i just feel like doing that because i've gotten way more than three dollars worth of fun out of this yeah and now at that point that <clears> game's <throat> free to play up to a certain part yeah, um so. i will say though that like if we if y'all want to do this we could talk about it in discord and get a set date and time yes. friday if we do it like on friday or saturday honestly if we do it any week not for that matter I would say 7.30 to 7 p.m. Central Time. Somewhere in that time frame is probably the hop-on time. Yeah. Because I go to bed around 10 to 10.30 most nights. It's rare that I'll stay up super late. But my, my boy's a happens. lightweight over here. It I'm happens. kidding. No, I, I, have a, I, I wake up at 5 to 5.30 every day. I know you do. Trust me, I've been there. I've done that. I still went to bed at 12 every night. I love I it. That. I don't see how you did that. <laughs> it was it, it, about once every 10 days I'd crash when I got home from work for about two hours. For two hours or 12 hours? Two hours. Okay. I, I, then I'd wake back up and go ahead. I figured you'd do it for 12 hours. <laughs> I used to do that whenever I worked at CVS. Because you, you, there was a time you had to come get something at like 8 p.m. and I was asleep. And it was because yeah. I stayed up to like 4 a.m. And I was like, oh, i got to be at work in two hours. I might as well stay awake. <laughs> anyway, going into the community's take. <clears throat> excuse me. The community's take last week was fairly simple. What did you think of the aftermath, not the event itself, uh, of Sony's recent event? Did you feel all the extra information should have been in the presentation? Did you feel misled by it? Did you like the fact that there was kind of a second dump of info that kind of got to hit you after the presentation? Where did you land on it? Because I'm sure there was somebody who was like, cool, more information. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it all depends on where you're coming from here. So over on Discord... One of our patrons, Mr. Josh Ayer, says, I feel indifferent about it. I don't feel misled. Like, yes, it goes against their generation talk with Spider-Man and Horizon, but unlike Xbox, who said games won't be held back, then showed Halo and all assumptions are, would have released it in the mess of a state it was in, Sony showed great things and said it's also cross-gen, but we also have Demon Souls as a true next-gen exclusive. So it's something for both. The pre-orders were a mess, but that's a retailer problem, not necessarily a Sony problem. Okay, so I will say this about the pre-orders. It is Walmart's fault because Walmart started it. And Walmart everybody else early. decides that they have to be competitive and but go ahead and go. Sony still has the responsibility of being way more strict and way more announcing than that kind of stuff. Like, if Walmart has the ability to pre-order and start pre-ordering and then they accidentally messes it up, like, yeah, it still falls 90% on Walmart. But Sony is a little bit to blame there. And here's why I say this. Microsoft had no issues. 
Uh, not, not, a, not true. No, they, they did not have an issue like this. But it wasn't, yeah, they didn't have staggered releases. They didn't issues, have, because that was no, this well, problem. They, that's what I should say. They had no issues with releasing their pre-orders on time. Yes, because everything was, and I'll give them that. There is, the thing that's also interesting is I think someone may have all say, may have said it in here is that it's not immediately clear which one's actually better because honestly, I think what ended up happening surrounding pre-orders specifically is that the, the Sony ones were bad. There's no way around it, right? I, yeah, like, and then the Xbox ones... Everybody thought because Xbox was saying, well, hey, we know when ours are going to start. They thought for some reason they lulled themselves into the sense of they it's going to no be easier what. to get an Xbox. Well, no, it's not. It's still hard. It's just at least it's more organized. See, here's the problem where I have is that Walmart released all their pre-orders and I was already asleep in bed. So like, I was like eight hours past the pre-order start date where if I knew when the pre-orders would have started, I was going to set an alarm if it was early in the morning for American time or if it was like in the evening or at work or something, I was going to take a break and clock out and go pre-order all this stuff or try. That's the thing. I didn't even get a chance to try because it was way past done. By the time I woke up the next day, I was like, yeah. and I woke up at 5 a.m. We just talked about this. I woke up at 5 a.m. and I was like, oh, okay, I'm not getting a PS5. Guess what? Still don't have one. Yeah. And I'm signed up on like six different websites to get an email uh, notification. Yeah. And I've seen This is what pisses me off. Best Buy had had a small slew of them after I signed up to be notified. Yeah. GameStop, small slew of them after I've been notified. And Amazon, not one of them have ever sent me an email saying we have more <laughs> of this in stock. And it's pissing me off. I've yeah. just come to the I've come to the realization I'm not getting it at launch because I can't. I mean, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not unless, on you. And he, you may get lucky and find one here, around here, but that's about the best bet you probably even have. around here. I'm not like that's a problem. I'm not going to go GameStop to GameStop to GameStop yeah, to know. find a pre-order. It's more like if you happen to be in Target on release day and you look over and there's a PS5. Yeah, it's kind of like the Switch. It was like I got a Switch at the end of March, the month it came out, because I was walking through Target and I saw a box in the case, and I'm like, oh, that has to be like some kind of display box. And I asked the guy, I was like, is that a Switch or a display box? And he's like, no, that's a Switch. I'm like, get it. I'm like, we're ringing it up. Yep, and that was when they were real hard to get. That was that was still yeah. within the full month of their release and that they were on, you know, selling out status. Yep. Yeah. I'm going to pull another one in over here from uh, the Discord. Uh, one of our other patrons, actually all of our responses on Discord besides one was from patrons. Thank you, guys. We appreciate it. Uh, ShafeDog247 says, overall, I think it was fine. I like the games. I like that the games were running on the actual hardware, or at least they said they were. Some of the other announcements were good. There were a few things that left me with more questions. Where was the UI? What exactly does the new camera do? What is with the new, or what is with the Spider-Man messaging? Because it feels like they said it would be enhanced by PS5. Now you have to buy it again to get a remastered version. Not the worst thing ever, since I know they got to make money, but they could have been more clear about it. And I also agree with that. So in the same vein, uh, another one of our patrons on Twitter, our good buddy Kyle Grimm, he says, I still have questions like which games will be playable on the PS5 from the PS4. Will saves carry over and will games be enhanced? Will my Spider-Man game be enhanced without it being remastered? Those are the some only some of the questions I wish were answered instead of trailers, which is true. Somebody pointed out on Twitter, we are at this current day on Tuesday, the 29th of September, we are five and a half weeks away from launch and we don't know what the UI looks like. Xboxes are out in the wild right now with GameSpot and stuff, and they have them physically. They're playing them. We don't have a single lick of that with PlayStation. Travis Scott has a PlayStation 5. Good for him. Actually, he just has a controller, so we don't know if he has it or not. Yeah, you assume he, probably, he, he probably has one, yeah. yeah. But see, there, there's there's literally no... Like, where is Sony's marketing team for this? Because no, they're, 
they're kind of being smug with the assumption that many people are just going to buy it, which they are. But yeah. that's the thing. We don't know how cross-save is going to work. We don't know how backwards compatibility is going to work 100% yet. We don't know what the UI looks like. We don't know anything about the actual design of the software of the console at all. And we're five and a half weeks from spending $400 and $300 on this thing? Or $400 It's stupid. I agree. I wish I still have questions about this kind of stuff, and I wish they were answered. Um, our good buddy, El Jahudi. Go ahead and finish me off there. And Patreon member. Um, not necessarily <laughs> misled, but it was a strange that they didn't have that info in the event itself, which is also true. Um, I wonder if the event was edited out in the last minute it was supposed to air months ago, which is a very kind of confusing. Like, if it was months ago, they would have had pre-order information in it. But yeah. at the same time, yeah. that should have had yeah. pre-order information in it. Um, for me, it's one of those kind of things of... The event itself was great, but there was a shit show after, and it well, there was dampens. kind of one through, right? And it goes like it's like one of the ones on Twitter, Slow, uh, Soul Slayer three uh, four three four. He says, "Dumb that they didn't have launch title after Spider Man, Demon Souls, etc." And that's exactly right. Is I understand not putting the date. I understand not putting Spider Man November at the end of it going November twelfth because you're trying to show that later. That's fine. That's not a problem. But if you know it's a launch game, then, then just put put the launch, launch game release before. No, not even well, that. You could do just, that. Just but you could also just say at launch, just, and then later when you give the date, it's yeah, already clear because it's so confusing. It's so confusing because I'm still not like who was it that confirmed Demon Souls is Jeff Keighley. Why? Because why, why is hold on no no this is a big problem Sony. Why is Jeff Keighley telling me that these games are exclusive that pre-orders are going live and not you? I'm sorry. I know this is stupid, but the way you said Keighley, yeah, Keighley. just made me think that this is a man whose family's history runs back and being really good at doing Kegels. Kegel, no. <laughs> But absolutely not. But why is yeah. it he is the one announcing this crap on Twitter? See, you didn't watch it in real time, so I, I know didn't. you you had a little bit of a different experience. But clearly, I'm one of the people. I was reacting in real time on the Discord while we were watching and saw Demon Souls. I was like, oh man, this looks amazing. Went through it all, got to the end. What well, did we fair? Nothing. Did we fair? And my exact response to the thing was, oh, I guess it's not a launch game. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> to be fair, that's how my the only, the only difference between mine and your experience was my answers to these questions were immediate, where you had to wait. Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, it's not a launch title. That's unfortunate. And then I went over to Twitter. I'm like, oh, it is. But and, what, what, is this real? <laughs> Because it's like when Kiki, Kiki was posting, well, we'll talk about this in a little bit, but Kiki was posting a, a, a quote from Todd Howard, and a big problem that I have is that I'm like, okay, that's interesting, but I, I haven't seen him say anything. Where's the source on that? Then it's another website. Websites and crap, they're not putting sources in anything anymore. Or they source another website. They, or they source another source. website. It's like source the, the Bethesda post where Todd Howard said that, these dumb websites. I did find it later. You did find it later. <laughs> but here's the, and that's Accidentally. The it's like, Jeff, he was like, <laughs> These are going to be launch titles, guys. Don't worry. Okay, cool. Where's your source on that? And it ends up being true anyways. And I'm like, why Why are you the one telling me this? And the big difference is that I think everybody knew. Well, he's a powerful Of all voice. the information coming from Jeff, it, it's, it's reasonable it's, that it'd be yeah, true. Yeah, and I like Jeff. Don't, yeah. don't get me wrong. I'm not mad at Jeff. But why is he the one telling me this stuff yeah. and not Sony? And that's a valid criticism. Over on Twitter, uh, one of our longtime friends and listeners, Mr. The Skinny Rage, Ryan, I thought about hope you're Ryan. doing well, buddy. I thought about Ryan. I thought about you the other day. Whenever uh, I was like, 
I kind of want to play Red Dead Online. I'm like, I know I'll have at least one person that'll play with me. (laughs) There you go. He says, I thought the event was entirely about the device. I did not expect to see so many trailers, especially of stuff we've already seen, except for Gran Turismo 7, which wasn't even in the sizzle reels. I was pretty disappointed, honestly. Now, this goes back to a conversation Ryan and I had had for a while in that as much as I do think Gran Turismo 7 would be a smart launch or launch window title, I didn't see them doing that because of the way they went about giving information. I appreciate that the first time they showed the game, they showed in-engine footage and the game actually running and seeing the way that ray tracing worked and everything. That's awesome. That's not a. That's really cool, and I'm glad that they showed that at the first one. But it is weird to get so many updates of games you already knew about just to not get updates about the other games. Because then it kind of makes you wonder, well, why don't I get that one? Yeah. Why don't you say a little bit more about this, but you've decided to show this again? Well, now we know afterwards that clearly it's because these were launch titles, but you wouldn't even tell us that they're launch titles in the damn showcase. Exactly. And like, <clears throat> it, it just it does lead to a situation where I'm still curious if this is coming from the fact that they're trying to move towards being global, but it doesn't matter if this is what the consequences of them moving to being global are, then they're going to have to do something to rectify this quickly because this kind of misinformation, it doesn't matter the size of the company or all the people that were excited. This is stuff that should have been handled behind the scenes before this stuff ever went out. I understand small things like accidentally having the PC thing on Demon Souls, even though I'm sure Demon Souls, if it ever does come to PC, will be way down the line, and they probably haven't actually can even thought about it themselves. But it does lead to a bunch of problems there, and I think that that's just one of those natural things where you don't like to see it, and it's not, you know, Xbox. Even though I think I've been typically more surprised by PlayStation leading up till the big events of this last week, but. I do think Xbox has done a cleaner job of, for the most part, of giving their information out. The only thing I thought was weird about Xbox is that we knew about the Series S for months with basically everything you needed to know. Very true. Just without them ever just coming out and saying, like, look, guys, the cat's out of the bag. That is exactly what it is. But we eventually got it. So, and I like the fun they had with it when they were they were they posted that tweet of like the sock puppet monkey that's like looking both ways. <laughs> yeah. They're like, Whoa, what what what's going on, guys? Yeah. So, a couple more here, and then we're going to go ahead and move on. <clears throat> My good buddy Cody, who I've known so 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 long. Okay, this is on Facebook. You threw me off. This is on Facebook. He says, it all seemed quite unusual for Sony, in my opinion. They are usually pretty darn good at launching consoles, but this year it was off for sure, and not just because of the pre-order thing. The way they delivered the info was a big change compared to uh, past releases, and that's exactly why I still have this thought process that this has to be a a response to moving to being global and regardless of whether it's on Jim Ryan in terms of the fault being his or if it's just the responsibility falls on him because he's the leader, this is clearly a more messy Sony than we saw at the beginning of the PS4 era. It's also a much more bold and big Sony because the PS4 has done wonders for the company. Yeah. So, Or yeah. I should say PlayStation. But you know, when you're looking at it in this way, this is something that I do, I will say, PlayStation has always, I think, had more pull with the gamers for being around for a long time. It's almost like how Nintendo, it's hard to really sully their name because they're just a household name. And Xbox has been around enough generations that coming into this generation, Xbox is going to have that same kind of level. But 
PlayStation's always had a lot of market share, and I wouldn't even say market share, mind share with people because of being around for so long and doing so well in PS1 and PS2 days and arguably revolutionizing gaming. But nothing was quite like them coming back to the PS4 the way they did. After PS3, nobody expected to see pretty much PS2 numbers out of a console again, and yet here we are. Yeah. So I understand that Sony are in a different position with PlayStation, but that doesn't mean they get to excuse this stuff away. It is something they have to work on. So um, there was one more I wanted to get to because I always like seeing his opinions. Rude Days 93, one of our patrons. And uh, I like listening to his opinion because he's also very much an Xbox guy. Not, you know, not in any kind of a bad way. He's just somebody who likes both sides. So I like hearing opinions from people who are less involved with a singular entity. Not to say that's wrong. A lot of people only have enough time to really focus on one. But when you have somebody that's got a little bit of a different opinion, I like to hear it. He says, well, you guys read my thoughts already last week, and they basically remain unchanged. And to add to it, a couple of things that are still concerning is we don't know the storage solution yet. Does it exist now, or are we still waiting for it? We also don't know how PSVR is going to work. And how do we get the free adapter for it to work on PS5? In case you are unaware... To use the camera for the PS4, which is required, the PS4 camera, to use your PSVR on PS5, you have to use an adapter. The adapter is apparently free, but nobody understands exactly how that happens. Yeah, It seems like you may have to request it. From what we've seen from the box contents that were revealed a while back, it doesn't look like it's coming in the box, which would have probably been the smarter solution. Yeah, especially, if it's depending, free. On, yeah, like, especially depending on like... How much money is it cost to add it to the box for everybody or to ship out the, the, the thousands of them that would get requested? My assumption is that places like GameStop and retailers will probably have a box that you can just go and be like, hey, I need the adapter. But then again, are you telling me that multiple one person can get multiple of them? That's not very efficient. No. I doubt that. I doubt that'll be the case. I, th- yeah. I think you'll probably have to go through Sony to get it like you can't i bet i doubt you could go through best buy or, or GameStop to get this adapter it's really weird that's all it comes down to it's, it's a good question anyway he says um still many huge questions with launch less than two months away exactly and that's, a, that's a good and exactly what i said we don't know so much about this console yep and just like xbox they announced their ssd or whatever Oh, they're they're removable, which and it and it was exactly what the rumors was very high two hundred nineteen dollars, but at least you know it. That's not super high in comparison to like a one terabyte yeah. removable carryable SSD. I think what it is is it's high in comparison to things you expected, right? If you think about the last couple of console generations, even starting back in the three sixty and PS three days SSD though. Oh, it is. That, yeah, that, but that's, that's what I mean. Thing. Think about the average consumer who does who understands because it's been told to them that they're quicker, but doesn't understand necessarily why it costs a lot more. Well, here's the thing: Samsung are going to announce their new Evo SSDs, which people are going to correlate to the PS5 because that's what, kind of what they are or what it's rumored to be. It ain't going to be cheaper. It's going to be roughly the same price for what it is, especially if not a little bit cheaper because the Samsungs will, Samsung will not be proprietary where Xbox are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but people, you got to understand something. These are not memory cards. These are not hard drives. They are, but these are not your stereotypical hard drive. These are SSDs. There's like literally data sheets going around right now of how fast the Xbox One is because they haven't done this for PlayStation yet because nobody has hands-on of these SSD savings in, in their times. And it's redonkulous. It like one of them is like Destiny Two, and it's like one minute and like eighty seconds or whatever, and then it's like fourteen, 
It's like you are getting so much quality of life on top of memory. But I'll tell you what is ridiculous: buying this memory card and the S. Yeah, that's see, another reason people are comparing it too because it's. And I know that in that situation, you end up with roughly 500 gigs more of storage than the One X. But why would you not just? I mean, not the One X. I mean, series, series still X. the One X actually, yeah. but it's just different storage. But the Series X. Yeah, why would you not buy the Series X instead? Yeah, that's just for somebody who, I guess, all digital, I guess. Cause but down the road, stuff, you know, that's, I think that's part of it, too. If you don't care about the 4K or all the other stuff, and I still lean on the fact that it seems pretty clear to me that the 1S is not meant to be a generation-long solution if necessary because their backup will be if it starts to hold games back and developers do fight back three to four years from now, to get through the rest of the generation... All they have to do is just start reinforcing that customers who have that can play the games, certain games, games that have to have that extra thing. But, oh, it's only playable on Series X natively, but all people who have Series S's can use xCloud for free mm-hmm. to stream these games. There's plenty of ways for them to pull off the stuff that they have in the back end and still make it work to where buying one right now and then two years from now needing that extra terabyte or oh. one year from now, not having to put 500 down initially. I know some people are going to find that Holy tantalizing. Crap. but I never that's thought just, of that. People who just want, a, who want an xCloud machine. Yeah, I do think that that's what it's going to become. And right now, at the beginning of the generation, it will be more than serviceable to be able to get you what you need from any game. I'll tell you right now, I could have 100% latency-free streaming. I'm not playing Destiny 2 or something on my phone. Yeah, of course. It's too small of a screen. Yeah, but um, having it on a TV with a controller that's not trying to connect to your phone and yeah. running that. A, a controller I'm familiar with or comfortable with. And the thing is is that the console can still do some of the some of the commands. Like So if they wanted to, and who knows if they will, but they could do something where they have part of the game actually running from the console itself and, and the then, other part streaming to make up the difference. Yeah. And, and you know, it really, I think X cloud will be something to contend with, but I want to hear more about the perfect example, cloud. right? Have it to where, even though you're streaming technically a lot of the game, have it to be where essentially you are buying the game. And since it is a native uh, machine that has native hardware, your input lag would be literally virtually nowhere because you can make sure that all the movement stuff that needs to happen is happening in response on your native hardware. Hardware. Then you can send some of the graphical processing out to the cloud to come back and give you a Series X server stack so that you're getting the graphical like stuff that you need or something that's going to fill the world out. You can that's a smart idea is splitting it up between real processing on one side and then letting the parts that you can't run natively on the machine have cloud processing, which is something that they talked about with Crackdown, but it didn't work as well as they had teased on this on the Xbox One. But with new hardware that's more set up for it and having you know xCloud be more defined as to what it is, it would make sense that in a couple of years they'd be able to do that more or less seamlessly. Yeah, and I agree. Like That's that's something I'm interested to look forward to because if, if you can – so I've tried uh, – I think anybody can if they want. If you have a Steam library, go try the NVIDIA GeForce Now. It's free. Oh, yeah. There's a free version of it. You have to wait in line. There's a free version of it. Um, and it works fine for my internet at least. Like it works fine, but like it's just there's something about streaming a game. Like I, I, maybe I'm super sensitive to latency or something. Like even playing Metal Gear Solid Two, I noticed like there is times and it should be doing this, but like the the resolution is not what it should be. Even though it's a it's a 20 year old game at this point. Or uh, whoa, and you're hardwired 20. Yeah. So funny example uh, of my recent experience. 
Trace came and watched Kyrie for us Saturday so we could go have a movie night with Blaze and everything. And he wanted to play PlayStation, so I took the 20th anniversary one into the living room, hooked it up, hardwired it in, installed Red Dead 2 because I figured that's what he'd want to play. But I thought if he doesn't want to play that, he can play PS Now and stream any of the games because it's more than He probably didn't realize he was streaming it, did he? Well, he he didn't even end up doing that. But for me to test it because I don't normally play anything up there, I said, well, what's my download speed? Okay, 256 megs. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. So I went through. I was like, I'm going to test it out on here. I played Watch Dogs 2, and I had no clue what was going on. But I started Watch Dogs 2 and went through. And after about the first minute, the little, little, little bit of latency that was there was gone. And I think it's like my brain was able to adapt to it. Maybe now, there's so. going to be certain games that that still is not enough for. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it got better. Resolution, never. Then again, it's 1080p TV in there. Yeah. So that, that maybe could, that's part of it. Well, even then, I think they'll be able to get a solid HD collection when it ran at 1080p anyways. Right? Uh, actually, if it's the PS3 version, it'd be, it, it could be 1080, but it could be 720 depending on who developed it and how well it was done. That might be why the resolution is so bad. It might it's be that point. it just looks bloody muddy because it's upscaling to 4K Blue point. after being streamed. Blue point, Blue point messed up Demon's Souls. I was amazed at how good Watch Dogs 2 looked. I didn't care for the game, really. I, I mean, I played a good 30 minutes of it while I was waiting. I was, was not waiting, a fan of that game. Yeah. I like Watch Dogs 1 so much better, and that's saying something for such a shitty video game. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're gonna we don't have any news this week. We are just kind of going off the cup and cuff and having a fun episode because clearly, if you've not been living under a rock, there's something very big that we need to talk about, and uh, that is that Jason Trier is mad again. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say that actually. That's not the big news, but we can talk about that actually. So. We're just gonna kind of go off the cuff of stuff. Uh, so you know what? The first thing I want to talk about is actually very important. Near Replicant got a date and also gameplay. Too far away. I no, agree, but I also away. don't because it's still actually it's, it's it's more clear now than it was. It's clear that this is more of a remake than I was anticipating. Yeah, it and looks, that's cool. It looks like it's running off the same engine and stuff as uh, Automata was. I can't say for certain. But it definitely looks a lot better, and they've done a lot to change combat, change what you can and can't do, completely put in new uh, character models and stuff. So they're doing some stuff here. We still don't know exactly to what extent. Um, The entire game, which used to have plenty of spots of of text, are fully vocal, fully vocal, fully voiced now. So that looks really awesome, and it's coming out uh, not quite same day but just a couple of days apart from the japanese release over here looks fantastic it's in april i have pre-ordered it actually i pre-ordered the the white snow edition so i could have the counterpart to my black box edition for automata but that's the first thing imagine pre-ordering physical games (laughs) (laughs) do it all the time uh so that's a big one of course uh the other big thing that actually just came kind of out today is that Cyberpunk 2077 developer um, CD Projekt Red. Last year, they reached out to Jason Schreier and did a thing with him where they were talking about not doing crunch and how they were going to do what everything they could to avoid it with this game. But it's been pushed back twice since that point, if I'm remembering correctly. And they're at a point where they sent out an email, and I'll pretty much read it to you as verbatim as I can, uh, one of the heads of the company says, starting today, the entire development studio is in overdrive. Your typical amount of work and one day of the weekend. The extra work would be paid 
as is required by Polish labor laws. This is just something that they kind of add into it because the way Poland works. So he says, I take it upon myself to receive the full backlash for this decision. I know this is in direct opposition to what we've said about crunch. It's also in direct opposition to what I personally grew to believe a while back that crunch should never be the answer, but we've extended all other possible means of navigating the situation. So, I think, you know, if you remember, part of the reason that this kind of came about is that The Witcher 3 was kind of slammed for having crunch, as is kind of become tradition with these very big games. Rockstar got a lot of flack for crunch with Red Dead 2. Mm -hmm. So we've seen this before. Games like The Witcher 3 make sense. They're very big. It takes a lot of work. So they are trying, what their thought was, was that they're going to try to make their place a more humane place to work. It's kind of the way they kept talking about it. So... I understand that and I applaud that and that's not a bad thing. But I think this personally, we Saul and I were talking when we first saw it before we started recording and that this kind of highlights and we've talked about it once before, but how contextual the idea of crunch is and not to say that you don't know these people and some of these people could be really mad. Some of these people could be completely fine with this. If I was looking at it for me, if I was in this situation, I have worked jobs before where I had to work six work work days. Now, we don't know their exact setup, but he says typical work week, which we're, if we're implying that this entire time so far, they've done a typical work week without any weekends. And there hasn't been crunch. That probably means for the most part, most people are operating on an eight to potentially a 10 hour day. That seems fair. So in this situation, if we're assuming that they're working an eight to 10 hour day, and then now they're going to have to work on the Saturday, let's call it Saturday and work another eight hour shift. Yes. Maybe it is technically crunch contextually to me. I know so many people in our area and it doesn't make it right, but it's just again, contextual to me. I know so many people in this area that are used to working six hour, uh, six days a week, 10 to 12 hours a day on those days. So, this seems interesting to me because unlike a lot of companies where it's mandatory overtime and you don't get paid anymore for it, they're getting paid for it. The guy is taking full responsibility for it. It's for essentially two short months. Not to say that two months is not going to have an impact on certain people's lives. It surely can. But I think this is an interesting situation where to me, I think we have to look at the majority. The fact that the majority of this game's development cycle has been able to go on without crunch should be applauded. And the fact that they're having to go into crunch because they're probably at a situation where they can't wait any longer for monetary reasons or whatever to release this game. I think that it shouldn't be, you know, if you've done 90% right in the last 10%, you just can't change what you've been doing. I personally view this as okay. So we don't really even know the extent of crunch. Cause like people are saying like people automatically freak out with crunch and they're saying like they overtime hours and stuff like that. Like, do we know that for sure? Like, or are you just being mad? Like, you know, I was telling Brett before this started, I'm like, if our boss came down and was like, you'll have to work a Saturday. Now we have for context, we have every weekend and holiday off, but they're like, you have to work a Saturday now. Um, and how many months is till this game comes out? Three, two, two November. So four Saturdays, yeah. pretty much. Or well, eight or well, six to eight Saturdays, a uh, quick math. Uh, if you have to work six to eight days and they're like, 6 a.m. to 12 p.m. So I'm like, that's not that bad. Like, it sucks, but like, I'm getting paid and I still keep my job and stuff like that. But it sucks. But at the same time, it's like, we don't know the full extent. And there's no reason in being mad over this because we don't know if it's Rockstar levels of crunch 
or what? And it's just one of those things of like, don't even just if you if you feel bad about, it, do what I've always said: vote what you want, don't buy the game. Then yeah, but then again, if you want to support the studio for having to go through this, and this is something that would seem, in my mind, common, that you're going to crunch more closer to a release of a big game Absolutely. like this. Yeah, it, it, it's it is just, more common. It's just having more light shed on it now, so the people who are saying don't support this, well, if you've bought Skyrim, Fallout, Final Fantasy of any of them, Final Fantasy is pretty much crunched 100% all the time with the way I've, I've read about the developer stories for some of those games, especially ones like 7 Remake, who restart development, and they already have a two-year release goal, they're already going high time into even more crunch. So my thing is, is be consistent. Sure. If you're going to hate one kind of crunch, hate all kinds of crunch. Yeah, and not to say that you couldn't have bought one in the past, not realized it, but in retrospect, you've regretted it, and you don't want to buy moving forward. That's fine. Yeah, like I, I get that. But my thing is, it's like, we don't know. And I'm not going to be mad until an employee comes out and says... I have to work 200 hour work weeks or whatever, you know, and like, I don't have, there's only like 160 hours in the week. We just discussed this earlier, but I don't have, <laughs> I don't have to work like 150 hours a week. Now, if they're working like 54 hours a week, like people, I work 55 hours a week. <laughs> like I don't consider what I do crunch. Then and, again, and that's what I mean. that, it's that so changes. Contextual. Yeah. That changes every, for every single person. Some people are like 40 hours, bam, bada boom, bada me. Nobody should ever work more than that. I agree. I like, you best believe that if employees would 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 make the same amount of money working forty hours a week and have more time for family, there are places around the world that you work uh, Tuesday through Friday, and every Monday is considered part of your weekend off, and you work twelve hour days, of course, to make up. But see, viability just, is a really weird thing here because, like, our our work is a good example. Sometimes you can have an order come in for 80 big things suddenly, and the way that we do a lot of self manufacturing and working and whatnot. So if you look at where and I don't, nor does Saul. We happen to be in a different part of the company. Yeah. But the company does that. And sometimes what, what ends up happening is the company and I don't think that this is necessarily unfair because they also be like, Hey, we're gonna pay you. So if one if one group has to come in on Saturdays, we normally go ahead and have the whole plant come in on Saturdays because it lets everybody get more caught up, gets everybody get more stuff done, and it just gives us more time to work. But what happens is you have a year like this year, perfect example, where you have a bunch of people because COVID has happened <clears throat> and you're existing in this situation where you have a lot of overhead that's not actually needed, but you don't want to fire people. That's applaudable. I, I, I like that. But you also get in the situation where if you expect there to never be crunch, crunch comes from the fact that there is a deadline eventually. And the same thing happens to us. If a customer comes and says, I need 40 of this and 40 of that. And you go, wow, our work staff isn't quite set up to where we could keep our normal hours and hit that target. So instead what we have to do, is we have to ask that they come in a little bit, uh, stay a little bit later. Which that's been a thing at our job. Sometimes there was a point in time where we didn't go home until five thirty. There was a point in time where we didn't go home until five fifteen. We used to work every other Saturday until twelve well, o'clock. Don't say we, you, because at I this did. point, yeah, that, yeah, at this point, the company was, dude. I, I'll say this: the, the company has changed in just the year that I've been there in yeah. such a drastic way. And I'm not saying that in a bad way at all. Just like. There are things that used to be at that company that are now gone, yeah. and they're like like the new lightings and everything like that. It's just it's it looks completely different in places. But uh, yeah, like I'll say that like for me, I get off work at five. But say a company because we don't deal with customers at all. I don't. Um, I deal with companies. 
say if a company is late picking up or showing up, I have to wait, kind of wait around until they go home. Now, granted, I don't have to. I could say, hey, I'm going home today. Like, I'm going home early. There's nobody really going to say you have to stay. I don't have a key to lock up everything. So, like, yeah, but I, someone in the someone, company has to stay. Yeah, someone somewhere has to. Does it suck? Yeah. Do we still like going to work and enjoy what we do? Better than retail. <laughs> so, yeah, I will say that. Like, now, you know, that's even more context, right? Yeah. Like, like your job in context to what you did do, you still work, you still like yeah. it more. And I, I, I worked crunching retail. As a matter of fact, retail workers, hospital workers, fast food workers, these are places that, that it's funny that people often overlook crunch everywhere else in the world but video games. Because in video games, it's the devil's work, but you're going to go to McDonald's and go to that guy who's been there for 15 hours to get a burger and be fine with it. Yeah. So that it's just... Play all your cards the same way, and don't be super mad or upset because of one thing, and you don't have the full details for. Yeah, I I'll think, say you could disagree with it. Sure, you could feel yeah. how you feel. Sure, just well, don't there waste, are clearly don't waste situations where you can look at it and go, "Well, that is clearly very negative crunch that's having a negative effect yeah. on these people." But at the same time, if you expect to live in a world, and I mean. I really do. If you expect to live in a world, it's someone said something this morning. Actually, they were talking about Starbucks. Starbucks had said something controversial, and again, apparently, I didn't know. But they said Merry Christmas one uh, time. Yeah, right. Uh, anyway, so she said that they didn't go there anymore. But then she legitimately said, "She's like, that's just because I know that happened. But it really, if I just went and looked at every single company that I've ever dealt with, I could probably find something that I disagreed with exactly. to the point where I wouldn't be able to do anything. And that doesn't mean that no changes should be made. But that's why I go back to the idea of if the majority of this development has had no crunch and we're having two months of that crunch – and somebody taking it and saying, this is fully on my responsibility, it's still something that we are wanting to change within the company, mm-hmm. and we're going to do everything we can in the future to try and plan around this while also being paid. I mean, I feel like they've covered the, they've covered an unfortunate situation in the best possible way they can, and it's happening for a, seemingly as short as it possibly could have. So while I'm not just saying that this is the best thing ever, I think the CD project red should be commended for what they've tried to do throughout the majority of this development. And maybe they didn't get away completely unscathed. Yeah. But damn it. Uh, until, like I said though, until like, I'm just trying my best not to just get like, there's no reason to waste energy over crap like this anymore. It's an all or nothing situation where for some reason, even if you're trying your best to do better, but then you slip up, it's not supposed to be able to be a thing. You know, if if you say, well, I've gone three years with no crunch and now I just got to do this last two months. Well, I mean, you, you tell me I get no credit for like the three years that I did a good job of. Or, or like know? supposedly Rockstar, it was two to three years of constant crunch. Yeah, which is that that's that's rightfully like rightful to get mad at. Like that's something that should not happen. Um, but anyways, Weird off, stuff. off our podiums, off of our podiums, yeah. And really, I personally I like to hear other people's opinions on this and more so than usual yeah we invite y'all to share your opinions yeah more so than usual in these situations I tend to actually I normally avoid comment sections on gaming related stuff but more often than not when it comes to crunch I like to go through the comment section because it will often surprise you of all the different viewpoints that come from people living and living in different places and with different basic experience of life you know Crunch to someone like our buddy Corey, who sometimes works seven, 12 hour days in a row, feels a lot different than crunch to someone who normally works a set 40 hours a week, Monday yeah. to Friday. It, everything is contextual. 
And it, it's fairly interesting seeing people's kind of experience come through and what their opinion is and what the majority opinion is. And sometimes you'll find that, that what you think is the majority opinion, just from the way that the articles will sometimes present it, actually ends up not being the majority of the opinion. So it's interesting. And- I, will, I will say one thing that I do have a problem with is that, and I hear this a lot everywhere, and that is people who are hourly and they're like, somebody doesn't want to get in a rush and they'll just say, oh, it doesn't matter to them. They're getting paid by the hour. That, I don't like that mindset. Because it's like, yeah, they still probably have families they want to go to at home, though. Yeah. like, And they probably want you to hurry up yeah. and so they can go home. Which you could say that that's kind of part and parcel with the idea of certain crunch, where it's like you're always expected to crunch 24-7. Well, not only that, but it's part and parcel with people who are at fault because they say that themselves. Not not all of them, but some of them say, I'm out. I can go do whatever you need to for four or five hours. I'll still be here. Yeah. It's their fault that that phrase is a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, moving on to the next thing. The main uh, topic. The main topic. Yeah, this is a big one. And like I said, unless you've been living under a rock, you clearly know it. Microsoft announced their intention if you really want to talk about it. Because you can say that they did, but it doesn't go through until late 2021. Microsoft announced their intention and plans to buy ZeniMax and Bethesda. And essentially, that means that a lot of IP... And a lot of studios are going to be coming under Microsoft once this fully closes. So the implications around that are pretty interesting. They are. We've talked a little bit about it. And I've talked a lot about it with a few other people. And I know me and you have talked about what is clearly the biggest question that comes from this. Does Microsoft treat this like they did Minecraft and view it as a valuable IP that makes more sense to stay across multiple systems or do they use, do they see this as an an opportunity to strengthen their exclusive lineup by taking some of the biggest IP in gaming ever, like the Elder Scrolls and Fallout, and making them suddenly exclusive? So somebody somebody do me a favor and find this because I couldn't find it the other day, but I know for sure that I read it. It's a Tim. His name Tim Booty from Microsoft or Jim Booty. <laughs> I don't know. I promise you that's his name. It's somebody. It's something Booty Microsoft. But they were in specific uh, about Outer Matt World. Booty. Matt Booty. Uh, specifically about Outer World, they were talking about um, exclusives and how this game is still going to affect being on PlayStation and such with it being Obsidian and now Obsidian's Microsoft owned. And he said, you know, they're honoring the deal because this was announced for PlayStation before or beyond. But any other first party game that was previously or that was not previously announced will remain on Xbox. Well, he actually said something very similar in that interview. I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay, I'm paraphrasing because I I, I can't even find that interview. Yeah, he said something extremely similar because the question that was essentially posed to him is, since The Outer Worlds was on PlayStation 4 and Switch, do we potentially see a sequel come to whatever the next PlayStation console or Nintendo console is? That's probably what it is then. And he said very similar to what... um, what our our buddy head of Xbox, Phil Spencer said, which is essentially it's taken case by case basis in that he did basically clarify that the, that while some games that they buy and some studios they buy and their properties will remain multi-platform. Yeah. Some like the outer worlds will move to being an Xbox exclusive. He, so he actually was a little more detailed about that one, probably partially because they had already owned Obsidian at that point. It had already went through and they know the IP and they probably had plans. One of the things that gets really interesting around this is that for some reason, people seem to think that IP are immediately thought of when sometimes they're not. 
it, it comes to this thing of like when Sony bought Insomniac, mm-hmm. a lot of people were like, what does this mean for Sunset Overdrive? And Sony was kind of like, well, it turns out that Insomniac owns Sunset Overdrive, but we don't really have any plans for it. Technically, we own it. And Microsoft had the publishing rights to it. But Microsoft published it. Yeah. So you get in the situation where I think technically Sony could make a new one right now if they wanted to and make it exclusive. But they couldn't publish (sighs) the first one back on on the console. Without buying the rights, which yeah. I think they'd be able to easily do because Microsoft would have no reason to hold on to publishing rights no. if they can make a little bit of money. Especially for them. a game that's been on Games Pass for, for well, unless And they've already it licensed game. it off once. Unless they've licensed it, it to THQ Nordic. But if they, if they license it to Sony, would they have to be take it off Games Pass? I don't know. Because that's still on Games Pass. Um, I think, honestly, speaking of Games Pass, that is the future of this move. Um, and I see it in two ways. One of, my, one of the ways is that they're kind of going and saying case by case basis is kind of very PR because they they bought this company, the biggest purchase in gaming history. So you're probably you might be about to say it, but where I was going and just to, so it's part of this is, I think the reason is is that this purchase does not actually go through. I think that this was a weird announcement where they didn't want it to get announced. They didn't want it to get leaked. They went ahead and said, this is what we're doing, even though it doesn't close until like Q3 or Q4 of 2021. Yeah. So so they have plenty of time to figure this stuff out. They do. But, and they have a plenty of time to attack it in a way that people will see fit. But you don't spend $7.5 billion on a company and let exclusives go to waste. So I'm curious as to what we'll see with that in terms of exclusives. But I think we won't know. But what I am sure of is something me and you talked about the other day at work. Something people are looking at is $70 AAA games on PlayStation 5 and free Bethesda games on Games Pass. Or $10 a month. Whichever way you want to go about it, it's still significantly cheaper. I don't ever look at it that way because I definitely don't pay $10 a month to get like... Fall Guys for free. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the good example for Games Pass, right, is that if you didn't have Games Pass before, but you see a Bethesda game coming on there and you go, I'm going to be on Games Pass this month, it comes down to if you're only going to be playing that game for roughly a month, you just played that game for $10, plus the, all the other games that you now have access to. Whereas on PlayStation, to play the same game, you had to pay $70, and you can only play that game. So it becomes a value proposition to where... Regardless if it's day and date, that gets to be an interesting thing too. Yeah. I do think that the future of this move was clearly to bolster their studios for the sake of Game Pass. Yeah. Now, here's one of the big things. With a purchase that big, it, I think it's foolish to say it's a drop in the hat to Microsoft. It's not. It's still a big acquisition. It's still a big acquisition. And it's still a lot of money. Somebody. For, so they would be looking to view sure. this. The way I'm kind of approaching this, and it doesn't mean that this is for sure right, but this is three times as much as what they paid for Minecraft, which was already considered one of the craziest deals in gaming when that happened. Yeah. So when you look at it from that perspective, if this is an investment in the Games Pass, Game Pass being a service that is already, even though it's at 15 million users, been described as not being profitable yet, that's fine. They got to get to a point where they get the numbers in. Yeah, you got to think about it. Like every, Everything in the world is profitable in that same way. You make X amount until you are outselling the amount of money you're putting into it. Exactly. So one at one point, and they're growing quickly. They in what six months they move from ten million to fifteen million. That's a that's a yeah, lot. Five million people in yeah. six months with no consoles coming out. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. So when you look at it from that perspective, and you see this, I kind of view it as this is considered a seven point five billion dollar investment into Games Pass, something that has already had countless investments. 
Otherwise, it would be considered to be making money and it'd be profitable. So when you look at it from that perspective, you're almost... In relation to the CD Project Red thing. <laughs> oh, Chris, I love you, buddy. Well, if I ever leave Triangle Square, Chris needs to replace me. He needs to be this. <laughs> he needs to take my chair. I love Chris. Anyway, um, so, yeah, when you're looking at that, it's a $7.5 billion investment into the service. It's already not profitable. What I think of is that Microsoft, for now, as they seem to prepare themselves to eventually become a publisher first and a console manufacturer second, where they're not completely there yet. Yeah. But they, I do think that that is their end goal. They, I don't know that they ever stop completely making hardware, but it, it, their goal clearly is to make that secondary to you just being on their service regardless of device. Yeah, and regardless of your loyalty, too, yeah. because at that point, it won't be a console war because there's no console. And, I, and well, there I, is a console, but well, the console doesn't matter as much because it's just... The console's not the big picture. Exactly. And me and you had this conversation, and for for this generation, I could see that being their focus when they when they shape that while this generation happens, this, this generation coming up. Um, but I don't think that'll be their main focus this gen. Um, just with the amount of marketing that they bought and paid for how strong the Series X is going to mm-hmm. be. Yeah. And they're still heavily focused on the console game. But I think that in this seven-ish year gap that we'll see between this generation and next. I'm going to give it seven years um, for the PS6 and the... I actually do not like that. That does not roll off the tongue. Say it out loud. PS6. PS6. That does not sound good. Roll off the tongue. But neither does Xbox Series 9. So, um, anyways... uh, (laughs) Xbox Series F. I give it... (laughs) Pay for respects. But But, uh, (laughs) I, I give them... I give them seven years to shape this. And I, I told Josh this in Discord. I was like, if they don't do anything with this deal and they still fail this generation as a company, they that will bankrupt them. I don't know about that. Xbox. They will, Xbox, not Microsoft. It, yeah. Well, it will I mean, not I bankrupt. Think technically, if you were to look at what Xbox is still Microsoft. In, I, think that, I think that Xbox would already be – not bankrupt. That's a bad word. But I think Xbox is already operating over their, their income. Well, it'll do Which them. is fine. It'll Which sink the ship. Maybe, but still, I guess my idea here, right, is that regardless of when it happens, you know, the whole idea that Rome wasn't built in the day, it's kind of the same basic idea. You got to put your first steps into place. So if this is that goal, wouldn't it make more sense to do as much as you could possibly do to counter, uh, to offset that $7.5 billion as quickly as possible so that that purchase ends up becoming a net positive, right? Yeah. So if you're looking at it from that way, would it not make sense to embolden your own service and make it far more attractive to people by saying, hey, all these Bethesda games are day one available on our Game Pass for either free if you already have the service or for $10 a month or $14.99 if you want to get Games Pass Ultimate if you don't already have it, which that means you're looking at 10 to $15 versus $70. And when you start breaking it off that way, Every bit of the $70 that still happens from the other consoles, be it Nintendo Switch or, or PS5, whatever, comes to the point of that's money that you still know is going to sell if it doesn't end up getting people to actually leave their ecosystem and go to yours, which is what you want to begin with. And you get to the situation where for every, you know, if Elder Scrolls 6, it's clearly going to be a monstrous game. It's going to sell so well. We have a bet going on. I want people of the community to uphold this bet. <laughs> I, we bet each other a copy of the game. My bet is is that it will be an Xbox ex, uh, timed exclusive or whatever. What is it called now? Console exclusive. Timed console exclusive. Yeah. Yes. And um, it wasn't I, part of the bet, but I'm going to say a year, even though that's atrocious. Honestly, it will never be a year. Honestly, regardless of what it is, if it's not day and date, you win. 
That's what it right. Is. That's what I'm saying. It's not part of the bet. Yeah, I view it as it will be a day and date game. I think the Elder Scrolls Six will be a day and date release on PlayStation Five. Yeah, and but see, that's the thing is that like Final Fantasy Seven remake, as big as it is, wasn't day and date on Xbox. No, but here's the interesting thing, and and that's actually a lot, right? I'd say that's bigger than Skyrim <laughs> Six, honestly. Yes, I call it Skyrim Six because Skyrim <laughs> is the the game. Skyrim Two is going to be the game coming out. Uh, but listen, my point there is that. Both Bethesda has a history of selling well on both these consoles. Right. Uh, partially, you could say it's better on PlayStation this gen because there's more consoles. I would say it's better on Xbox. Honestly, I don't. I must say honestly, I don't have exact numbers, but the modding stuff on Xbox is clearly gen reasonable that they're similar. So Scott, when you go back, I, I just I realized wasn't Oblivion was a timed exclusive last gen only because it, the PS3 only because wasn't the PS3 out. didn't exist. Yes, <laughs> yeah. and actually, weird situation. Uh, the PS3 version of Oblivion came with the DLC on the disc for no extra charge. Wait, which DLC? The only DLC. Wait, there was two good ones. There was Shivering Isles, and then there was... um, You're right. Shivering Isles did come for Oblivion way later. But Knights of the Nine was on the disc. That terrible DLC. But it was still free when you had to buy another one. But just going back to weird situations between how they work out being later. But my uh, where I was going with that is eventually you pay it off much quicker by saying, we're going to release day and date. All the people who buy it on PlayStation, we're going to take that money and put it against this $7.5 billion investment because those are huge franchises. Now, where I will concede and where I'm not willing to bet because I think there is every chance in the world that they choose to do this, it's either that the Elder Scrolls and Fallout, because they're already huge, known for being multi-platform games, stay that way. Mm-hmm. I see that being a fairly likely, and that's why I'm willing to bet essentially $60, $70, whatever it is. So the other side of that, also I just realized the loophole. How do I pay this if it's game Pass? <laughs> I, I just realized the loophole. Is that if, it? If the game, if I've got to buy you the game, all I'm going to do is buy, pay for a month of your game <laughs> That's so, that's <laughs> cheating. Because here's the thing. If it's not day and date, I can't buy it for you anyway. Hey, to be fair, I have to have a Series X for that to happen. I should have bet you a Series X. <laughs> You'll have a PC. Crap. PC Game Pass, buddy. Loophole. <laughs> Ultimate but, Games Pass is $15. Look, I'll honor it with an actual purchase. That's that's what we agreed to. But it just makes more sense to me to do that, whereas I could see Starfield being a day one, either full-on exclusive, never going anywhere Starfield else. Starfield is the one up for grabs because we don't even know what it looks like the or only, what it is. The we only like a- weird piece of information around that game. Also, did you see the screenshots? That's not real screenshots, is it? Yeah. But, I mean, well, I mean, it's not in-game. It's CGI screenshots, aren't they? No, those are real in-game. You see it HUD and everything. No, it's just CGI. it's just a screenshot and then a, like a big picture of a, of a yeah. ship. It's, it doesn't give you much to go off no. of because it's in the middle of space, so it kind of ends up looking it, like No Man's Sky. What's weird is it doesn't look anything like a Bethesda game. I just figured somebody yeah. would make that. A, that was just a render of Honestly, something. the thing is it could be. I don't think that any. I don't know if it's been confirmed. Yeah. But ultimately, it doesn't matter. The, the big information about Starfield that makes this even more interesting because we had that conversation is that apparently... According to Imran, I can't remember his name. He used to be part of Game Informer. He's part of Kind of Funny Now, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, he had mentioned that he was aware of the fact that at one point in time, Sony was deep in discussions with Bethesda about having timed exclusivity for that game. And from what I can gather from the statement he said is that he's unsure if it ever closed. And if it didn't close, whether that offer is now off the table or 
if it's the, the price just went way up, which is interesting because again, the purchase doesn't completely go through until next year. Right. I don't know what implications that holds, but Xbox have already said that they'll honor the agreement for two games that we already knew were announced for PS5 and for certain consoles with exclusivity windows, and that's Ghostwire Tokyo and Deathloop. Now, here's the thing. If Sony were able to secure timed exclusivity for Starfield, the reason that you wouldn't know that yet is that there's no reason for Microsoft to comment on something that is not public knowledge yet. Yeah, that's true. Now, when the game gets officially announced, it may still be announced with timed exclusivity on PlayStation 5, and Microsoft may still have to honor that if they don't want to risk having a breach of contract. Yeah. They also might weigh out the options of just buying Sony's breach of, uh, you know, breach of contract out before the game's ever actually revealed. Again, they could come out and say, Sony, we want to make sure we want Starfield to be either day and date across both systems, or we want it to be a full on exclusive. This is how much we'll pay you to break contract. Who knows? There's a bunch of stuff happening behind the scene. The, the deal could have never went through, but it just adds a new layer into this situation. Now, what I will say about this Bethesda purchase is that, we focused too much right now on Bethesda Game Studios. We're not even looking at Arcane Studios. Uh, the stu- uh, how am I forgetting? ID Software. Yeah. Uh, you have a bunch of other teams. You have uh, Tango GameWorks, which is a team behind The Evil Within. You have, of course, like I said, Doom's team, and you have. I think that ID Software might have more than one team, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but no regardless, idea. you have a great team there. You have Arcane, who have two different teams. We have Arcane in Austin and Arcane somewhere in. California was France. It? No, it's 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 overseas. Oh, uh, I could be wrong on exactly Who, where it's at. DLC for Dishonored was handled by those guys. I'm assuming. I think. Um, actually, I think Deathloop is the one being handled by the real Dishonored team, and I think Prey was the uh, Austin. Oh, I forgot team. about Prey. Um, Prey, yeah, Prey was the Austin team. But anyway, they have two studios there, so clearly they're bolstering their studios a lot. And I think that what comes of this is, I think most of the IP they're going to get here is fine to go exclusive without really anybody having any too big of fits. I think the reason you have a potential for big fits with both Elder Scrolls and Fallout is because people could have fallen, excuse me, in love with them on PlayStation. And not to say that well, that's it can happen. That's how you get a console sale though, right? It is. is that- that's what I'm saying. So it's, in the same world that it's possible in my mind that they all come out day and day on PlayStation for those big franchises, it's just as possible that they decide to keep it in. But clearly... Within this acquisition, at, at Microsoft and these studios are going to get exclusives. And they're going to get, get exclusives that will be day one Game Pass and probably never come to PlayStation. Unless, this is something that's going on between Chris and myself right now, we both kind of have a feeling that by the end of this generation, we might learn that, and we've even talked about this, Saul, I'm fairly positive, that... By the end of this generation, there is a chance that in their pursuit of not tying themselves too much into being a console manufacturer, despite the fact they still may they still may make hardware, by the end of this generation, we might see Microsoft either already on PlayStation 5 or yeah. plans to be on PC, PS6 with Game Pass, and then you add a new layer. You add the layer of, well, these Bethesda games are now available on PlayStation 5 day and date with every other place but you could only play them by having an Xbox Game Pass subscription yeah. on PlayStation. That would be interesting uh, because that one I would actually see being the most realistic outcome of them all. And that's a way for them to be on more machines, get more money, get more people to actually back up behind, you know, uh, to subscribe, and that's the way that you get around the $70 thing. But the one caveat of that 
is it depends on where Sony's at. Because do you remember for a long time, EA Access was not on PlayStation because PlayStation would not allow it. Yeah. The, the same kind of go. That's not the only time that they've allowed not allowed stuff like that, though. Weirdly enough, yeah. Like so. mod, like like outside mods on on consoles for Bethesda games. It's really weird. How much of that do you think may have been in response to the fact that they got hacked that one time? And they're like, never again. None of it. <laughs> None of that. How you much see, do you think of it was just censorship? The, all of it. That's what I think it is. A censorship because here's the thing: has Xbox been hacked and they can show big anime boobies and titties on Skyrim? No. <laughs> yeah that's i not, mean actually yes on skyrim you can someone made i mean no i know i've seen the mods but i'm yeah. saying they're not being hacked because of oh, that because of that no yeah no. but i'm just saying that i wonder if sony's saying it was like on the back end sony's so back like that's what they're they, weird they are is, a weird that company. is one thing i do not like about sony at all is their censorship because it's so weird and selective it is. And it doesn't make any sense. And it doesn't. Um, but here's community's take for the week. Oh, what did you... Oh, go ahead. We have a community. Oh, wait, that's right. We do have a community. Yeah, go ahead. By my buddy, Mr. Cody McGinnis. He's over in the Facebook group where you can interact with these community's takes. Also over on Twitter at TriangleSQRD or with us in our Discord, which is always linked below. So go check that out. But his question... Is a fun, simple one. We've done something kind of similar to this, but I still like the idea, and it's been a while. So for any of our new listeners coming in, have fun with this. He says, if you could merge two game developers to use both of their skills and specialties to make one ultimate game, what developers would you choose, and what game would you have them make? You know, a long time ago, we had a question almost exactly this That's what I'm saying. in Reader Mail. Yeah. Um, long so time this ago. Is, well, I don't think we've ever asked the audience this, so this is a good question for them. Um, and if you want to hear that, go back and listen to Reader Mail. <laughs> Which one? I can't tell you. Yeah, which one? Just start at number one. Just start at number one and keep on going. But. Well, the, hold on. Reader Mail was originally not number one. It was October 2020. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, we actually uh, did monthly. Better than the point five episodes. Remember those? Yeah. Or did we ever do those? Yeah, the point five. Was fives, that impressions? The point fives were typically impressions. Yeah, that's and right. like, if we did like a episode directly after a, a conference E3 or, or something. something. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you can ask us or answer that community take. On our tri- our Twitter at Triangle SQRD at our PlayStation. No, I always say PlayStation instead of Facebook. I've already gave this spiel. You yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so you guys know where to find us. And if you don't, well, go look harder because Google's a thing. If it, you like the episode, give us a like. If you dislike it, give us a dislike. <laughs> find us on Discord so you can play Among Us with us this weekend. If you if that ever uh, comes into fruition, I hope if it you're does. brave enough. Uh, if you're brave enough. But most importantly, we wanted to appreciate everybody who has been with us for so long, and I appreciate everybody for the well wishes whenever I was not feeling great and a speedy recovery. So I appreciate all of that. And that's the show, guys. We're going to leave you all with the classical Brett reading off the Patreon. I have one announcement beforehand. He's holding up a finger. This is just something I noticed the other day, and I still think it's pretty big, considering that we've been doing this for a little while. Uh, We are like within a, a... a couple of hundred or maybe just uh, just over a thousand listens away from having a hundred thousand listens good god <laughs> that's crazy um now of course i know some people may think surprised that we haven't already broke over that i am often taken aback by the fact that some people think that we are a lot bigger than we are that's true go look uh, at the youtube view. also all you grateful you amazing people who think that we should be bigger than we are. Not, uh, we you realize you. where we are. Thank you. Trust me. I, it, I think about it often. The fact that there are people out there who see the value that we hope to be giving out to you guys. So with that said, if you want to help us hit to 100,000 listens total quicker, then go 
Find some people who you think might like the show. Share it with them. Give us a shout out on Twitter. Yeah, there you go. Help us reach that number. Get us some new people coming in and interacting and being part of these community takes. I always like seeing new faces. And actually, I want to give a shout out. This is a separate shout out. We've had so many new patrons this year, despite everything going on, that it's really blown my mind. So thank you all. Yes. And almost every one of the patrons coming in has done it completely aside from the cases. They may be taking advantage of it, but it's not their only goal. And you should take I love advantage that. of it. So, Those cases are high quality. And and most of our patrons, like Rude Days and Kyle Grimm, they they yeah. they they hop in and they get in the chats and yes. they are they're there and they're vocal with everything yeah. and we greatly appreciate that. Funny uh, funny story for the case. I finally made Saul his his Final Fantasy case. We may have said this on the podcast already. And then Andrew took it. Oh, did that happen? Yeah. He did take it? Yeah. Oh, that bastard. Well, I left it in his drawer. <laughs> And then he was just like, I'm gonna take it. And either I'm like, way, I go out and I and I give it to Saul and Saul looks at it and goes, Holy shit. Yeah. Because <laughs> he hadn't good. seen one in person yet. I, I kinda did, but I didn't get to see it in like its glossy glory. I saw it as just a piece of paper. Kind of when, yeah, when, printed, when it was flat. printed. Yeah. yeah. So for those that don't know, you can subscribe to our Patreon and every three months you get a free custom case at the five dollar tier. So fifteen dollars to throw us some support money for the set, any kind of cost that we have with podcasting fees, and you get a case. That's great. But also, more important than that, every episode you get your name read out. Brett? Thanks to our patrons, Mr. Kyle Graham, as we've mentioned, our newest patron of the month. Also, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green. My name is Dan, Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Santarude, Funk Turkey, Danny Villiobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popst, Kevin Bacon Bits, Joshua Lago, Eric McAllister, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Blow. Stefan Swanland, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Zachary Sawyer, Landis, Rude Days 93, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, El Chabib, Jason Clendenning, Tyler B., and lastly, Mr. Richard Schaefer. If you would like to support the show with more than just your time, which we are ever so grateful for, head over to patreon.com slash nartech and consider giving as little as a dollar per month. Thank you. We love you.